Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Welcome back to this week's episode, and I am sitting down with such a beautiful woman today. She is the owner of two salons in New South Wales, and was somebody that I had been listening to on a few of the platforms that were going live on Instagram, and I really admired listening to her um, ethos and the way that she runs her team and her openness to her business approach. And um, I was really lucky. I had one of my guests put me in contact with her. So we've set this um, podcast up. And I think that it is just a really refreshing conversation, something a little bit different. She's had so many incredible accolades that we really could have gone into. She's been on the fame team and um, Australia or New South Wales hairdresser of the year, but I wanted to kind of take it in a different direction and talk a little bit more business and building your team and the different things that she offers to show people that, you know, there's these really incredible and caring and loving business people and salon owners who want to nurture and grow their staff. And sometimes I think as apprentices, you hear these stories of um, you know, scrubbing the toothbrush on the floor and all these things that, you know, can be the case, but is not always the case. And you can have these really loving, nurturing people around you trying to grow you. So Maria Unali is my guest today. And I just, yeah, I'm really excited. I think what she was speaking about a lot too was like different books that she's read. And she's really taken the time to advance her knowledge and her skill to better understand whether it be people or her children and how those books have impacted the way that she leads and her team and all of those things. So actually what I've gotten her to do and will be in the show notes or on the Instagram page, wherever you find us, um, is to link some of those books or some of those podcasts or the audio books, whatever has kind of helped her to grow her team or to grow as a person or what she gets her team to listen to. Um, I'm linking in here. So hopefully once you finish this episode, you can click right onto those and continue with this self-development growth that I'm trying to get going. So um, yeah, dive in and enjoy. Good morning. We are taking take two. We're going from AirPods <laughs> to headphones. It's the, it's the hardest thing, all the technology and the plugs changing. It's very confusing, but we're here. We've made it. I was just saying to you that I've had so many men and guys on the show that I'm really happy to be getting some some females back in. It just seems to be the way it's been going. But you have come so highly recommended. And I feel like I've been seeing you popping up all over my Instagram feed and lives with all the people that I like, you know, watching and being associated with. So I'm excited to have you on today, Maria. I'm excited to be here. Good stuff. Thanks. Well, yeah, the last one I watched was with um, Laura and Stuart and yourself. And I messaged you after that before we'd even been put in contact because I really loved what you were saying and the structure that you have your business on and the way that it seems that you really look after your staff. And I thought that is totally before we were put in contact, something that I want to get people aware of in this podcast and get students and new people coming into the industry to know that there are bosses like this that exist and want, you know, the best for you as an employee, but also for yourself and your well-being. So I'm really excited to dive in to this chat with you and hear your story. And yeah, I can't wait. 
So am I. I can't wait to share. I'm just, yeah, it's funny that you, um, that we connected after that. And, um, you know, I had a lot of messages from other salon owners um, around that. So, yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it's a really strong message and I think it needs to be um, shared. Incredible. Well, why don't we start at the beginning? I The one thing that I do kind of know, I love not knowing too much. I actually didn't watch your full interview with Jack because I was like, I don't I don't want to <laughs> know because I want them to be authentic, like what I'm genuinely curious about. So I know that your dad owned a salon, but from there, I don't know much. So obviously you grew up watching the industry and kind of being involved, but maybe start at the beginning and tell us how that happened for you. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, my dad had the salon since um, 1981 and I actually um, didn't want to be a hairdresser. I grew up doing the tea and tidy thing and I thought it was as boring as batshit. I was like, I don't want to do this. That is the worst part of the job. Yeah, I know. Um, And then, um, you know, the the salon manager at the time, she got me doing little things like colouring hair and all that. So I was like, yep, cool, no worries. I'll do a bit of that. Uh, And then I got the marks to go to uni when I hit year 12 and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to uni. Um, and I did one year and I was doing like really random subjects like English lit and philosophy and Japanese, Italian. Um, I did economics, which really helped me in business. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I was doing like, it felt like the HSC every semester. Like it just, mm. it didn't feel like me. Um, so then, you know, much to my mum's um, pleasure, actually, I decided to um, get out of uni and work at my dad's full time. Oh, my gosh. It's like the opposite. Usually that's the huge yeah. conversation and controversy we've been having <laughs> is that most people are pushed into this university route. And when they say they want to be a hairdresser, it's like this disappointing thing for the people around yeah. them. And you had the opposite experience, which is yeah. Right? yeah. It was funny because my mum before I said I'm going to go to uni she's like oh I thought you wanted to be a hairdresser and you know follow your dad and da, da, da. And I'm like no no that's not like and I think it's one of those things with the mother and daughter you, you just will just want to like rebel against anything they want to oh say my you, God, know? you want me to be I, a hairdresser always- I'm gonna go be a dog groomer <laughs> yeah. but they always know they always know what's best for you you know so yeah. um yeah, I did. So, yeah, I, I got out of uni and started to do hairdressing. And I said to my dad, um, you know, I was always in the back room, I, even though I, you know, before I decided that I wanted to be a hairdresser, um, I would always sit in the back room and read, you know, AH Day at the time or Culture Magazine. Like I was always sifting through and just seeing images and these incredible hair that wow. was created. Um, and I'll never forget, I was sitting there and I saw, um, I can't remember what, um, what year it was at the time it must have been about 2004 2005 and Anthony Nader had created this incredible collection and um, I was like oh, I want to do this oh. and um, I said to my dad I said but if I'm going to do this I want to do it properly like I want to like do all the education and do all this because you know just to give a context I was in like this little you know suburban salon it was you know an hour out of Sydney you didn't really do you didn't really like go out of, you know, your comfort zone. You didn't really like make your mark. It was just like, you just did hair and it was, you know, we did lots of perms. Yeah. Um, you know, we did lots of, lots of that stuff. So, you know, and I was doing like uniform layer in 10 minutes, like bang, 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 you know, like, and I was, I remember the first time I was cutting hair, like, you know, cause my dad's a barber. So like okay. he would just, you know, maybe it was like my, my, at the end of my first year, even start of my second year, like, literally one Saturday he goes you're going to start cutting men's hair today and I didn't there's no real training like he's just like that's what you're going to do I think we're charging like maybe 16.50 or something you know like and I was just like and I just sit there the whole day like men after men and just like just do a barber haircut and just do the clippers and I just remember my last haircut was obviously the best (laughs) Um, um, but yeah like that's that's the sort of you know salon that you know my dad had and we grew up in and it was a good business great business um so that was my apprenticeship and then yeah um I, you know, I'd like to say the rest is history, but it was, just, it was a lot of hard work. Oh my God. Do you know what I just said the other day? I said to my partner, I'm like, I hate when people say, and just like that. And I'm like, it's not just like that. Nothing happened just like that. They're like, and just like that, my child's 12 or something. And I'm like, no, that is not what it is. Was, he's like, oh, you're really passionate about it. I'm like, it's just the stupidest yeah. thing. Nothing happens just like that. No, it's the worst. You There's a lot of work that goes into all this. Yeah, and I think that's what people see at the moment, especially with socials. Like, you know, there's this big highlight reel and that's all they see and it's just, yeah. 
you know, we were, you know, slogging away. There was no social media and we had to like make real connections when we saw them at fashion weeks or on set or, you know, like you had to get somehow to people to know your name or to call you, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that, that was, was actually yeah, something that I had written down in my notes that you felt like that you weren't going to have as much opportunity because you were living outside of Metro Sydney. Yeah. And yeah. it's something that really I think is important to talk about because I think there's, as um, I've grown up in the city my whole life, like I, you know, I've always worked at a really big salon in Canada. And when I moved here, I was so fortunate. I've worked in like kind of the key suburbs with the big salons and that's all I knew. But when I've gone into more education stuff and me putting on education and you realize there are so many hairdressers outside of this inner circle that that's all you know you know everybody around you is at the same caliber and you you forget that there's so many other people out there so I think it is so important and something I really do want to touch on in this chat with you is that that was something that you felt and now look at you and you've been able to make this incredible career and connections and life out of it, even though you didn't grow up in the core of the city. In in the circle, yeah. Yeah. And I think think there's this always this drive to just work so much harder than, Mm. you know, um, than maybe... Like, you know, I, I remember, you know, doing, um, I've told this story before, but like even just doing like, say, you know, a fashion week show, I remember Lisa Ho and the call time was 3 three a.m. with Alan White and, you know, like most of them could just roll out of bed and, you know, catch a taxi in and I was just I like, you know, set my alarm for 12.31, you know, like and just, you know, having to drive in. And I think there's this, you just, went, not to say that the other stylists didn't want it as badly, but like. Yeah you know, there's this advantage in adversity when you have to struggle to get somewhere. It really does serve you well, you know. Um, But I didn't feel like, um, I think I had the backing of my salon. That's what made a big difference as well. Like, you know, I I had the security of, you know, stylists working for me and then me being able to take a day off here and there, um, you know, to do a fashion week or to Mm. go on set and assist, you know, big names. Um, Whereas if you were an employee, it might be like you're taking a day off and you're losing the pay and you're losing the clients and all these things, but you had a team to support you in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, like it also, I I, I also allowed myself to make the decision and give myself permission to maybe not go down that route because like holding, I just knew how important it was to have the business and have the salon and have that security and editorial was just so um, insecure at the time. Like, I mean, it's very insecure now, but like, you know, in terms of, you know, um, I just remember getting to like maybe 18 months in and assisting very regularly. Like I was on, um, you know, the agencies in in Sydney, like I was just on their books and they would call me all the time to assist big names. And I would have to, and they, they would only call me the day before. So I would have to cancel full, you know, um, a full column of clients every time that happened. Yeah. Um, although that was, I was, I was able to do that long-term, it was detrimental to my business. And um, yeah. I realized, especially if I wanted to build a business and a long, a long business, a long-standing business, um, that sort of life was just not for me, especially because I, I got married quite young. We wanted to have a family, you know, like we had all, I had all the dreams, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, doing Which editorial. Which hard when you put your your hand or your foot or whatever the heck the sweat saying is. I'm like notorious for getting sand. <laughs> but when you put all your body into all these parts, <laughs> yeah. it can be really hard because you're giving like, you know, 50% here, 50% here. And you're wanting, yeah. like, I've had that, like, oh, I want to be doing this platform, but I want to be doing clients. And I want to also yeah. go away on the weekend. And I want to do all these things. And nothing gets yeah. your full um, self and has the ability to fully grow so it is really hard to delegate those tasks yeah and that's yeah and that's what I found over the years like it takes a lot of sacrifice I know like especially all this talk about AHFAs and you know like doing all the award submission stuff it's definitely got me hungry I'm like should I enter again should I enter again you know but like I don't know it's just one of those things you really have to make decisions about like what you really want like what serves you well um and um you know, looking after yourself for the future. Although I love to say I live in the present, like as yeah. a business owner and as a mum, like you're always like, you know, like yeah. five years ahead. Over um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. So when you said you got your name into those agencies, I saw that you had done a lot of volunteering on sets. How did yeah. that ha- Like, what kind of came first? Did you contact agencies saying, I'm an apprentice, I'm available? Like, how would somebody, I guess, coming into the industry who wants to be doing that? Or did you start volunteering and then you got put on the agencies? How did that kind of happen? Um, geez, I can't remember now how this, yeah. what happened? Chicken or the egg? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I think, just, um, even just. I the- started- the story yeah, of volunteering think, and how, yeah. Yeah, I think I started doing a bit of makeup and I started um, doing a couple of courses from Ray Morris and Mandy Lavana. And um, interestingly enough, Sarah Laidlaw did my hair for my wedding. So, like, I sort of knew that, like, um, I sort of knew that realm a little bit. Okay. And then it was just like basically like this is what you have to do. You have to assist first before you become this big editorial person. And, um, you know, the way you assist is you get you you call um, agencies and you send them emails. And this is the day you send the email. Like I got a lot of instruction from um, from people like Ray Morris and Mandy Lavana to, you know, the avenue that you need to go down. And then when I decided makeup wasn't my thing, I wanted to focus on hair, then I obviously made – um, really good relationships with people like Alan White for Fashion Week because I was a GHD salon, so, like, I was able mm. to work with him. And then once they sort of know your skill, you know, you're able to, um, I suppose they can call you back, they, you know, and then and then it just sort of starts like a bit of a, um, you know, snowball. Yeah, effect. once they know your name, yeah. then you keep getting the call. Yeah, and they know your skill, like they can trust you on set or, like, you know, I remember doing um, big campaigns with Richard Kavanagh and, and it was just like one of those things where you go, um, you know, I, I can trust Marie to do that set or whatever it is or, you know, pass up. I remember even if I wasn't doing anything, I'd clean out his kit. Like yeah. there was just nothing like that was, you know, um, too Having low for that, me. To um, like. initiative to just do things yeah. and not just sit there, yeah. you know, twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that and, you know, I, I always think about that. I'm like, you know, what would I expect from an assistant? You know, um, that's what of, you know, it's, that's what I suppose, um, you know, led me to act the way I did or behave. And I think because I had a salon, I always knew what was expected of my apprentices. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, oh, you know, I know, I know what, what to do and how to act, you know, whether it's earning brownie points or whatever, like, you know, call it that, but like, I just, you know, I think that's you a knew natural what would be valuable to you if it was yeah. role reversed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So did you so, you do you own the salon that your dad had or what was the like yeah, did you take so, it over? Um, yeah, I, I know you have two now, so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, well, um he at the time, like I just got married and um we were sort of building a renovation because the shopping center at the time was um shifting shops and I just said to him, I'll just, you know, my dad's like, look, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, he was, you know, getting a little bit older and my, my brothers had opened up a a pizza shop around the corner and he's like, you know what, I'm going to just do pizzas for a little bit and help them out. I was like, okay, cool. And so he just said, you know, you just, you just buy the renovations off me. So um, he didn't, I didn't purchase anything. He just said, you just renovate it yourself the way you want to do it, you know, and, and that's basically the shift that we made. And, um, you know, we, me and my husband put out a mortgage on our house and, you know, we fit out the salon and um, then, yeah, seven years later we found another space that was, I mean, at the time the salon was called S81 Hair. Um, But then when we moved to Penrith, we called it Salon Kin and rebranded and, um, yeah, made it a bit more sparkly. (laughs) Made it more your own, like you put your your touch on it. Yeah, I think it was a different space. And I wanted to create... I mean, as much as I go, it was a, it's still an established business and, we were, you know, moving, it's probably about 15 minutes further west. Okay. I still, you know, I still wanted to make it a brand new business because it was like a lot of it, you know, the prices we repriced, you know, um, it wasn't a new team, but I wanted to um, basically change everything, you know, in, yeah. in terms of a rebrand, it was fully like the way we dressed, you know, what the place smelled like, what, you know, what, you know, how clients felt when they walked in because there was a lot more natural light than the shopping centre. So it was um, a completely different feel. So um, as much as we have so, we had so many existing clientele, um, yeah, it was, we wanted to shift it because the colour work that we were doing at the end of S81, you know, we brought back, we brought into Kin um, and then we did, we said goodbye to a lot of clients that, you know, um, just wasn't, it wasn't a right fit anymore, you know, yeah. which is a bit sad, but like, it was just, it's the evolution of business really. Yeah. So cool. And did that business skill come, where did that business kind of 
uh, brain come from from for you oh I just I laugh at this because like there's big lessons no (laughs) not like I like hours sitting with my accountant trying to understand profit and loss and you know I've taken a lot of courses over the years this is not natural to me I um you know my dad um you know he sort of he ran things quite simply, you know, like, and it's, and business is simple in a way, you know, yeah. you take more than that goes out, you know, like that's, you know, that's what you do. And because of there was so many, um, you know, when you're talking about an experience-based business, there's so many little expenses that you don't account for, you know, yeah. whether it's the candles you purchase for the smell or whether it's, um, you know, the little um, cards you include in like online store, like it's just yeah. little things like that, that you don't account for that you're like, oh, that's an expense that, you know, that that comes out. And my dad, you know, in his business, he never did anything like that because he just, he, he wanted to keep it simple, yeah. um, you know, and he had a team and he was, it was just there for lifestyle to make a bit of money yeah. for his family to live really well. And I suppose in businesses now, well, in my business, especially like I just, I, I want it here for the long game. I want to make an impact. I want an experience not only for my clients, but for my team. Um, but yeah, I just remember like, I mean, even those years of assisting and then coming back and then going, Oh, I was in the red a lot. And my, I remember speaking to my accountant and he's just like, Oh, Maria, you know, it's not that your rent's more too expensive. It's you need more bums on seats. Like you need to be doing more. Mm. And I just remember for a full year after that, like I could not, um, I didn't have a choice. I had to, um, you know, head down bum up because we were trading seven days. I worked seven days. I mean, in saying that, like I didn't have any kids or like I was there to work. You could take that priority a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And I got the business back up and it was a big lesson because then I sort of started to understand business and when to say no, have boundaries when you could spend. Um, Yeah. And then when we moved to Kin, um, I did um, some – I did a financial management course with um, Belinda and Carl Keeley who are incredible oh, yeah. with numbers. Um, and that really just made me really understand and break down, you know, stock costs and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Cause I didn't have really like, I had a budget, but I didn't really know why I was doing it. It was working out like we we're making money, but I, I would rather understand the breakdown, the numbers. Why? Because then if I get myself in, you know, a little bit of a pickle later on, I know how to take myself out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just learning, it's networking, isn't it? It's like learning from people, totally. what other people are doing, you know, I got a really like, I feel like a very strong, um, you know, close knit group of industry mates that I can call yeah. on to go, what are you doing? You know, um, and did and you then- get those connections through doing your photo shoots and entering the competition scene and stuff? Is that kind of where you feel like you made that connection more so? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. And I think because, you know, you're like-minded and your, your businesses run quite similarly. So when you do start a conversation, you connect really easily, um, you know, and so, um, you know, you can learn from each other, whether, um, you know, I'm calling on them for like a a numbers question and they can call on me for a team question or whatever it is, you know, play to your Um, strengths. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'm so grateful for that. There's some um, big, you know, very strong, strong women out there that I call my friends. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah, the girls. Yeah, the girls. <laughs> now you entered and you won New South Wales Hairdresser of the Year and also have been on the fame team. Did that experience of winning New South Wales Hairdresser lead you to fame team and that, or was it opposite way around? No. So yeah, I um, I entered, I'd done a couple of shoots before, like just for Hair Expo and just doing you know, and um, worked with a couple of different photographers. And then um, when I entered HFA in um, 2014 and won, it was just like this thing where Fame Team, I think M Division had taken over the year before um, Fame and it was just like catapulting and I was like, oh, I know that's where it's at. I need Mm -hmm. to like get onto that. Um, And so I ended up um, applying, I actually ended up applying the year before. And I was so funny. I did that. Um, I did the chat with Jack and I was just, and afterwards I was like, it's like, I woke up the next day going, I actually oh. entered the year before. <laughs> it wasn't my first time entering. I forgot a whole chapter of my life. <laughs> Literally like that. And it was funny. Cause like, I call it baby brain. Like as soon as you have a kid, like it's just like a constant baby brain situation. Um, but no, I had to, I applied the first year. And then um, I actually, I had to pull out because I fell pregnant. And then the mm. year after I um, I entered and then I um, I got in. Um, 
wow. luckily. Wow. And then, um, yeah, and then it was, and then two years after that, it was 2000, 2015, I got into Fame Team. Yeah. And then um, 16, I shot for HFAs again. And then 17, um, I shot again and I won. So, um, oh, you know, I was, I, I was just saying to Jack, like, it's literally, I think about my career um you know pre and post fame team like because it just it's such a massive difference like that's that literally mental... what I was just gonna ask you I was gonna be like what oh. what was the change do you think that that catapulted your business or you or like what yeah, yeah what was the impact of that it's like the exposure to the the level and the caliber of people that you have at arm's length like you're able to sit down and have a chat with you know um you know, people like Tyler Johnston or um, Akin Konitsi or, um, you know, Sharon Blaine. Like, it was just like, you know, I mean. These people I had, that you idolise that seem like yeah. unattainable become like, oh, you're a normal person sitting beside me. Yeah, yeah. And they were so willing to share. Like, they were just like, you know, you had this time with them and it was full days sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course, you know, Brett from Murphy Gossard, who was creative director at the time, um, I was just, you know, he's become such a close friend. And I mean, everyone you meet, because you spend so much time with them, you just like, yeah. you become such good mates that, um, and some have gone on to, you know, have their own salons and businesses. So like, um, yeah, you do you create that really close network of people, um, which help you along the way, you know? Oh, cool. And yeah. now with your salon, I I have written down here that the the kind of description that you have of it is a lifestyle space. So what is kind of like the ethos or the, the, um, yeah, I guess, is that yeah. a word? Yes. Guys, <laughs> you know, as I have said, I'm not a morning person, this is not morning, <laughs> but I was up late last night. So sometimes my words get a little jumbled. <laughs> It'll be kind to ourselves. That's okay. <laughs> um, I suppose I've got salon kin, you know, which I've had um, five years and then seven before that, but like we've just opened up salon Kaya. And, um, you know, they're very different, but they, you know, they all sort of have that, they both sort of have that have that vibe where, you know, you want to walk in and you want to feel like you live there, you know, yeah. like you want to feel like it's a really safe space and it's your home and you can spend hours in there if you want and not just to get your hair done, whether it's, yeah. you know, um, you know, you come early to your appointment, you just want to hang out, do a bit of, you know, work on the laptop at the communal table or, um, you know, if you're, not um if you know if you're finished up early and just chill in the lounge like it's yeah. it's that idea where we just want to create a safe space for people to come and um and just chill out with us I definitely got that vibe from your Instagram when I started kind of having a little scroll I was like oh it's like a nice little beach calm <laughs> scroll you know like it's it's, yeah. cool. it's a good page aesthetic I really was yeah. enjoying that oh look I can't I gotta say I can't take the credit for that oh, my marketing really? manager Katie is incredible she is just like this eye that is just second to none she manages both socials and she um you know her caption work I have to give her credit for her caption work because she tries really hard for it um Does she and work it, in the hair salon or she is a marketing yeah. person yeah, so she's employed by me. So um, she has been for on and off 10 years and she, um, you know, helped me, I suppose, um, you know, guide me in, in terms of aesthetic and, and brand and voice and all that. So she's a big part of that um, so cool. and I'm forever grateful to her Because I that. think something that's really hard and I've thought about even with the podcast is being like, what takes the most time is the Instagram, the caption writing, the tagging, making sure you have the right location like all these things is what actually takes me more time than doing this like this is yeah you know and I've thought about being like oh maybe I'll get somebody to do that for me but I find like how would they know how to write the caption like I was the one in the like so have you found that that that's been hard like giving that little control away or because she worked in the salon um, she knew what your vibe was. Yeah, today, or- I think that's a big part. Like if you're outsourcing yeah. and, um, you know, I think it's the biggest advice that we give people if they are asking about that sort of side of the business is, you know, if you can employ someone, even if it's like, you know, a stay-at-home mom that has a background in marketing that can do like eight hours or 10 hours for your week, you know, like that would be yeah. more beneficial than outsourcing to a big agency that are just like, robotically maybe you know I mean I'm assuming but like you know just get through the clients you know um you know maintaining voice is such a big thing and it's so overwhelming doing all the 
um, you know, all the planning. Like I know she will sit there some days and she would just do captions and it take a big chunk of her time, you know, yeah. like, and it's just a, a lot of brain space, especially for it to be quite original. Um, you know, like that's, she really prides herself on that. And I'm, um, you know, and, and I, I'm so grateful that she has so much energy for it because yeah. it is, it's a big thing, especially when we're, the business is evolving and um, she's just, you know, whether she's got to pop a meme in there every now and then, like, you know, she really wants to make it, <laughs> make it quite cool. She is cool. She, she works so but she's very cool. Um, but, you know, she, she does work hard on that. So yeah, cool, definitely. That's kudos. so good to know. And something yeah. that I know you are proud of is that you have a lot of long-term staff. So I think something that is heard a lot within the industry is this turnover and, you know, clients coming in and being like, oh my God, it's all new people again in here, or, you know, like <laughs> whatever it may be, like you seem to have some long-term stuff. So what is kind of your um, strategy in hiring or in keeping staff or how have you gone about that to create this culture yeah. that you're proud of? So I think it's um it's definitely evolved over time. Like I when I first took over the business, I was definitely a different leader. Like, you know, I took on a lot of like old school mentality because, you know, my dad had it for such a long time. And yeah, and his like his voice was in my head as well. So there was a lot of unlearning. That's not to say that it was bad, but business in itself and the salon industry had evolved so much beyond that that like I couldn't be that same boss. Um, so yeah, it just took a lot of learning and unlearning. So like I, I sort of hooked into a lot of, um, Simon Sinek. I think he was massively was transformative for me. My physio, I remember giving me, and when I say I read books, like I just, it's audio. I can't just sit there and read a book. So okay. <laughs> I remember my, uh, my physio giving me the audio file to it and I was, just, I wasn't ready for it. And then I started to, um, then he's put out another book, Leaders Eat Last. And I was like, okay, I'm getting into this. And there were some things along the way that really stood out for me that I practiced with my team. And I got really like, I just got a really strong response, like a good response, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, this is the way I need to talk to them. I need to, I need to change. They don't need to change. I need to change. And I think it was just like that accountability that I was like, okay, um, you know, if, if there's something I need to take accountability for everything that happens in my business. And if, there's not something going right, whether it's um, an attitude from a staff member or whatever, you know, it was just really important for me to go, okay, cool. This is what I need to change. This is what I need to do. Um, and I suppose, um, you know, I, I suppose I've come this far and um, I do, I do have a lot of longstanding staff and they're, they're pretty amazing. I've, you know, I've, I've come, I think, a little bit lenient over the years. I'm like, yes, because yeah, I, I feel like, you know, becoming a mother just softens you so much. And, uh, you know, you imagine how, when, you know, when your kids go into the workforce, how you would want them to be treated. And I think that sort of changed me a lot as well. Oh, my God, that's like um, the key thing. I've had many moments in my career where I've been spoken to poorly or somebody around me has been spoken. And I'm like, it's from people who have children and I'm like, I just cannot comprehend how you could speak to us like that, knowing yeah. what about your kid? Like that's yeah, yeah, such a, a valid point and something that is so, I mean, regardless of if you have kids or not, you shouldn't speak like no, that. No. Yeah, anyway, but it yeah. is something that is really nice that you have had that thought to be like, that's why you won't behave that way. Yeah, that's right. hundred percent. And I think, you know, um, I don't know. I think there's this really um, important balance between that mama love and that tough love, yeah. you know, and I think that's, um, I mean, I'm still working on it. It's, it's definitely a journey for me. I know a lot of Brene Brown's work has really helped me per on a personal level, but also on a business level and, you know, um, in leading the team as well. I, I don't know. I just, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. I think people think, oh, look, she's got so many longstanding staff and, you know, oh, look at her, like, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, even, you know, when people say, oh, like, you know, tell me about your culture. It's just like, oh, my culture is ever evolving. It's shifting all the mm. time. It's not, you know, you can't just wake up and change the culture. It's not, it's something that happens over such a long period of time. So if you're willing to change, you know, think about, um, you know, moving forward, you know, three months, six months, 12 months, but you have to start, you have to start yeah. now, whether it's, um, you know, I think, think the biggest thing that stuck with me is when um, uh, Simon Sinek says the, the biggest um, thing in, or the biggest, um, uh, you know, thing about a high performing team 
is their level of trust. Mm-hmm. And so people will give you their blood, sweat and tears, you know, if, you know, you have that, um, you know, that, that mutual trust, that mutual relationship. And then learning, you know, Brene Brown's idea and the acronym of trust and applying that and then seeing the team soar and go, okay, this is what we have to do. And it's not even about technical stuff. Like I can teach them. I can't, personally, I can't teach them how to colour, but like I can. I can, can, you know, send them to seminar, all that. You know, you can teach them. And people say this all the time. You can teach skill. You can't teach attitude. You can't build trust overnight. You can't do all that. Sometimes it is as black and white as like saying, you know, I'm sorry, being as vulnerable in a team meeting and saying, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Or, um, you know, but I think there's this also this old school mentality of like, I have to be strong. I have to be the leader. I can't let them see me cry or, you know, I can't let them see me, you know, um, you know, like be weak. And it's just like, oh, that's not what we're going here. Like we're, you know, even just giving them a call and just saying, hey, um, you know, the way that happened is not okay. Can we redo this? Can we circle back to that or whatever? I don't know. Or even just hearing up stories in your head. Um, so I suppose like, you know, you know, my, um, my strategy behind hiring and, and, and all that has always been obviously based on attitude and, you know, the yeah. person that they are. That's so and important. I think just what happens along the way though, um, you know, there's this gap between like when they're like say 17, 18 to 22, 21, 22. Yeah. And a parenting book actually taught me this is just like there's so much going on in their brain, hormone. Need someone to be there as a mentor. Yeah. You know, um, they need someone to be there to believe in them and they will test you. They will test you like a toddler will test you. You They'll see how far they can push you, you know. Um, And it depends. Some have pushed me to the point where um, I've had to let them go, even though it hurt my heart, you know. Um, But then some I have. come into um, the industry so early. Like, you know, I started working at the hair salon I worked at when I was 17. And I was a brat at home. Like, you know, like those things in high, maybe not quite at that age, but younger than that, you know, and there's people who come into that space. And I remember too being like, how can you think that you can behave like this at work? But I guess it's understanding that part of their brain that they, that it hasn't quite developed yet or that they need that mentor and understanding what their home like home life is like too and maybe not having that structure and being able to provide that for them yeah 100 yeah, percent. like i mean i know a lot of i think a lot of salon owners are just like you know what that's just not my problem I'm, I'm here to build a business and i'm here you know like to um you know whether it is like just have that exchange profit and loss all that um but and, and that can happen 100 percent. you can do that it's i'm it's, I just don't think it's as sustainable as really caring and looking after your team. You know, I feel like I, even as a woman, like I feel like I have this duty of care to be a mentor to my younger guys, and, you know, and, and um, you know, I mean, otherwise, like who else? They've got their mum, you know, but it's very different to, yeah. you know, if that seeing someone older, yeah. um, you know, in that workplace environment or have that work ethic or whatever it is, totally. you know, and, and they do, they need that. And what are the things that you offer to them externally from say being in the salon? Like I know that you've had physios in and what are, what are, why are those things yeah. important to you or this, the education that you do invest in them? What, yeah, sets you apart, yeah. I guess, from having something different. Yeah, I suppose, um, you know, there's this thing about building better humans, not just great hairdressers. And I think, you know, if they have most of the time when people aren't performing at work, it's because of something outside of work. Yeah. And I think it's really important to sort of look at it holistically and, you know, apply that to their whole life. So if they're really struggling to, um, you know, find the time to exercise, it's just like showing them some simple you know, um, you know, poses or, you know, stretches that they can do in the space of the back room or, you know, like we brought a physio in 
Um, I know that it's really hard at the age of 17, even up to the age of 21, 22, to like manage your finances. Cause like all of a sudden you're out of school and you're earning all this money and you're just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so we bought a finance guy, you know, and he was just like really good. He was, he basically like, um, you know, just taught them foundational saving, you know, it's oh, like this percentage goes good. here and this percentage goes there. So it was very black and white. Um, and they they felt that was really helpful because a lot of them, like I know I wasn't really taught financial literacy as a kid, like I had to yeah. learn it, um, you know, through business. So I think learning those skills even at 17 is just like, oh, okay, cool, that's that's how you save, that's what, you know, because there's all these, always this little, um, you know, um, thing in your head, I'll just, I'll just take a little bit from that pile, you know, and it's yes. just, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, you shouldn't. Um, well, I'm the queen of that. <laughs> I always put it in and I always dab back in. <laughs> Maybe I need to come to one of your seminars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, yeah, but we've done retreats as well before, like, and that's always been really fun. You know, we've had to obviously postpone, put them on hold because of COVID, but, um, you know, they've been always really fun, two to three days, and I take them out. And, you know, the couple have been at Byron um, doing surf lessons, oh my God, teaching cool. them about balance and you know um I mean I suppose I had they have really little lessons like and but it all comes down to you know just trying something outside of and then conquering and then having that confidence to you know do um you know just to continue on or you know it's about resilience right like it's all you're teaching them yeah oh my god that's so cool I think it's you're right that the nights that you have out with your team whether it be the Christmas party like you know all year I think any salon you work in most people look forward to the Christmas party that's like you know even like the awards nights or whatever it may be and you come back and you're talking about that in the salon and it creates a vibe and you know to have a boss that sees that and puts those sort of things on not just for those little okay those big occasions is really important and that you're so right that when you're making your team happy outside of the salon space not in a work environment going surfing or whatever it may be bowling or something that those are the things that you think have made an an impact in the way that you have a relationship with them as well yeah 100 percent. i mean i think you know like it's really hard for a 35 year old woman to relate to a 17 year old girl like i'll be honest like especially when you know like they're doing all the tiktok dances and i have no idea what's going on but like you know i think um if we you know for example if we both go out on on the surf and then we both suck we're like okay (laughs) you know like we have something to relate to you know whatever it is but like i think um you know, it's, it's just about noticing, um, you know, like weaknesses and then just building the team on that as well. Like, I mean, I know, I mean, we all go on this self-development journey and personal development journey. And I think if I can give that, give that, you know, to them in, you know, in, in the smallest way, I mean, I know most of them aren't listening at times, you know, mm-hmm. like I've brought a, um, a psychologist in and we spoke about communication um you know I know that there's some points where they're like I don't know what she's going on about and I I don't connect but like at least I'm planting the seed for them to go oh remember that time when we're at the salon and this lady said this something will connect you know yeah Um, I've had so many moments like that where I was like why didn't I pay attention to that like that was so (laughs) valuable and here I was like being like ugh, I'm hungover I'm like I want to (laughs) go <laughs> it's true. It's such a slow burn when you're investing like that. And a lot of people yeah. like are just like, what well, you know, some of these things for a couple of hours have cost me a couple of grand, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's it is, it's one of those things that you, you call it an investment and you go, you know what, like it'll happen over time, it'll come back to me. Um, you know, in terms of a return of an investment. Yeah, um, you know, and I guess it has in terms of the fact of your long-term staff, like yeah. people that were in yeah. that course that they were rolling their eyes at when they started with you are now with you six or seven or eight years down the road. Yeah. And that's when it's, it is that investment in a different way too, by having them stay with you. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, people just want more out of a, a workplace now. I think, I think you, yeah. we spend so much time there that we just want to be, have, we don't want the drama, like yeah. we've got enough drama in our own lives. We don't need it at work as well. So like, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, I talk like this and it's not hunky dory all the time. You know, we have our really shitty days. We have, you know, a bit of projection here and there, but it's about how we manage that, how we, you know, um, 
how we how we I suppose put out the fires in that respect, you know, how we be vulnerable in that um, in that space enough to go, oh, that wasn't okay. I'm you know I'm really sorry. I spoke like that, and you know, and then moving on from it instead of holding it in so hard that you're you know projecting out onto everyone. Yeah, that's not okay either. So it's just it's being really black and white like that. Um, you know, so I, I mean, too, I think that's what if anybody respects something out of a boss, it's an apology or an owning when something didn't go right, because sometimes those conversations do not go right on both yeah, accounts. But to for a, somebody, I think as women, too, maybe I don't know, but mm-hmm. you, uh, you become resentful more, you know, like I've never let go of that conversation that didn't go well for me. And I never mm-hmm. respected my boss after that because you spoke down to me and spoke to me that way. And I mm-hmm. knew in that one, I was not in the wrong in that one, that even just an, ap- an apology would have been all yeah. that would have smoothed that over. And yeah, I would have been able to move on and carry on. And instead, I've left the business, you know, and yeah, and it's, it's just my- acknowledging hundred percent. Yeah, which I think is important too when understanding you're working with sometimes teenagers or that age bracket yeah. that that one thing and that one little conversation can set them off on a long-term situation. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think when we went through the that the seven elements of trust, it was really um is eye-opening for me because like I just know what I needed to do to build trust in my team. And it's just as simple as like, you know, having boundaries for yourself, what's okay, what's not okay. And it's even giving the the team permission to say to me what's okay and what's not okay. You know, like, I mean, I know a lot of the time they're still building that. They're still building like, can I tell Maria that that was not okay? Um, I mean, I always encourage that. It's this hard thing when it's your boss. I think no matter how, how, you know, um approachable they are or say they are you're always like yeah that's great you're saying you're approachable what if I tell you that I didn't like how you spoke to me and I'm gonna get all the shit shifts out (laughs) well I do encourage people to to to, you know like at the end of the day like what do we have to lose you know what I mean like if you you know I I don't know what what, you know what most salon owners are like but like if one of my guys came up to me and said hey Maria like can we just go back to that conversation like this was not okay. Like, it's okay to like, you know, send me that message or communicate this, but like the tone was really not okay. I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, let's, yeah, yeah. let's do a redo. Like what's happening? Cause there's, you know, they say in the absence of data, our brain will make up information. So like, mm. basically like what's happening is we're just like relaying all this like misinformation in our head. And, I'm replaying um, the situation in a way that it actually probably didn't happen. Like I'm adding things to it because I'm dwelling on it. Mm. Yeah. A hundred percent. So like, it's, it's a lot of that training as well. That's, just, you know, and it's really a lot of repetitiveness. Like I talk yeah. to my team a lot about that. Like, you know, every, at least, you know, four to five team meetings, I'm like, guys, this is why we're here. You know, why are we here? We popcorn around the room and they, you know, say whatever they're going to say. And I'm just like, we want to be really good at what we do. We want to service clients to the best that we can. We want to have fun at work. This is what we do. We have to be like to have fun and to do what we do. You know, we want to be high performing, want to get it done, you know? Um, and I, it's funny, recently I, I sent out an anonymous feedback form. So like every year I get them to do, um, it's just like a Google sheet where like, you know, I don't know who it's all anonymous. So like they sent through their answers. Um, and one of the questions is, um, you know, what, um, what would you do for the next, um, uh, you know, three, three months, if you were the boss, what would you do? Um, you know, and obviously you get a little bit here and there, like no Saturdays, you know, <laughs> no more long days um but a lot of it is like they know how hard it is to satisfy 15 people so you know a lot of it is yeah like you know I don't know like it's really it's going really well like I love you know what I do here and all that so it's it's you know it's nice when they can um yeah it's nice when they can say that and go okay acknowledge it and go yep cool no worries like that was um it must be hard and I don't want that job (laughs) funny i don't know what i've done to all my team but like no one wants to open up their own salon <laughs> well, is that where i was gonna go next kind of was what inspired you to open the second salon and they're quite far apart, actually right like it's not like they're like yes. yeah yeah suburbs yeah or- they're about an hour and a half apart what inspired that and why did you choose to do them so far apart like do you work between both how do you keep that fluidity i guess between the two businesses and the teams and you being in like yeah how do, yeah. How do you operate that 
So I um, work there on a Wednesday. So I do 8 to 8 on a Wednesday at Kaya. And then I do, um, well, when we come back after COVID, I'll be doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Kin. Sunday, Sunday. I don't even work weekends right now. I'm quite, picks my own hours really nicely. And the guy I work with, he was like, Crystal, am I going to be seeing you on Saturday and Sunday? I, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Um, yeah, no. So I'll, um, you know, that's how I basically split my time. I've got a business partner at Kaya. So like, it's a little bit different in terms of, um, you know, distribution of responsibilities, you know, it's a little bit, um, more. And um, is that a hairdresser, like somebody who works in the salon or it's just a business partner and external, how does that happen? No. So like, we've known each other for a long time and, you know, she approached me, she found a space and she's like, let's do this. And I was like, I always said, you know, if I was to open up another salon, I would do it with someone else. And obviously I've moved to Wollongong now, so it's just nice to have something really close to me as well. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, so she's in there um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and she's not a hairdresser. So she was in corporate sales for a long time. So her ability to obviously, you know, in terms of customer service and yeah. um, managing clients and all that sort of stuff is, you know, really her strength. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm there to sort of, you know, manage the team. Well, the team doesn't really need to be managed. I've got, a, you know, um, an incredible team there. We've got um, three full-time colorers and um, Mandy, who's a, um, a master cutter. Oh, so, um, you know, they hire they're them from scratch together. when you open that salon since it's so yeah. far from your um, business in Penrith, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so- I might not be from <laughs> Australia, but I do know a little bit of suburbs. <laughs> I actually know Penrith. I have a really ridiculous story. One of my girlfriends lives in the Blue Mountains, who's from Canada. And when I went there, I went to visit her for the first time. And I was like, what the hell? Why? You moved all the way to Sydney and you lived all the way to Australia and you live in the, it's beautiful. But we had to go to Penrith because my brother had broken my phone on our road trip and I couldn't get a hold of her to let her know I was there. We went to the Penrith shopping mall. That's why I know that suburb so well. (laughs) <laughs> oh god that was a trip but i've been yeah. there it is a, it is a trip, babe. <laughs> so funny so when you yeah. were hiring staff for that location it was completely new nobody came from your previous salon there so you totally had to instill this kind of culture or salon vibe or all of that into all these new staff to make sure everybody was on the same page yeah well with um kaya so scarlett she worked for me at kin for like two years and so she's um um you know on a personal level she's like nothing was her in penrith anymore she's like you know i just need to move close to my family because she's from tomorrow in the country so she's like you know what wollongong if people move out of tomorrow they either move to canberra or wollongong and she's like i really want to move next to the beach so i was like well so on so like she ended up coming over which is incredible so she you know the culture was there from you know from from the like the very get go, yeah. um, and then um, Megan, who is another colorist there, she started um, on opening as well. And I just put the word out just on my socials, basically, just to say you know I'm opening up another salon. I just you know um, I'm hiring, blah blah. And then she contacted me. I was so grateful. She's oh, an wow. incredibly trained um, colorist, so she's there as well. And then um, Mandy, I just knew from industry, and I knew she'd obviously moved to um, South Coast, so um, you know. You know, I was lucky enough to for her to come and say, you know, can I do a day or two? And I was like, yes, come. Very lucky. And um, we've just hired another one, Hannah, and um, she's doing very well. She's um, and she's another color, well, you know, cutting colorist all rounder. Yeah. Um, and she'd only worked for like two weeks, and then we went into lockdown. So like, she's oh. um, just keeping them all engaged, you know. So yeah. um, what are you doing yeah. with your team while you're off? Are you are you total time off, or what? What are you keeping? So we're trying to keep them really well engaged. So I'm doing weekly check-ins every week on the phone. So I'm always calling them, just making sure they're okay. Um, And then we're doing, you know, lots of online learning as well. Um, We just trying to set up little bits and pieces. I don't want to overwhelm them. Um, I know they've got a lot of time, but like, I, I also don't want to, um, you know, say do this, do that, do that, because, yeah. you know, you can imagine with 15 staff. Um, for Everybody the first reacts in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I also, um, the business couldn't afford to exhaust, you know, the bank account either. So um, I just made sure that the first, for the first two weeks, I paid them for training, I, whatever you turned up to, I think we organized four or five hours for the week for the two weeks. And then, so I paid them for that. And then they obviously qualified oh, for, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, for the um for the grant. So oh, you have grants. You know, like I, I suppose just you know, I've got a, an education manager that um manages lots of team stuff. So she's been organizing that with reps and companies just to you That's know just a lot to have a, another body in there. So that person who work they work for you all the time organizing education for you? Yes, I'm very lucky. Sarah oh is actually gosh. a tape teacher. So she um does about 16 hours a week and um she does you know, she goes between the salon and TAFE. So she's TAFE teacher so she helps out the apprentices with their TAFE work as well um make sure online learning is like you know up to scratch and um you know all the paperwork that goes beyond that and she also helps out me managing um the training that we have in the salon so all the stuff that goes you know okay liaising with um the financial advisor or the physio or the nutritionist like stuff like that she'll always liaise um and she does um all the education for um, kin as well so I do a couple of marketing um, seminars for Auster and um, with, with Katie as well so she'll either manage that the bookings you know sending off you know the um, do you think that's a really important of the bu- important part of the business for you to delegate things like that that allows you to not be swamped like how did yeah. how long I did think- it take you to learn that <laughs> <laughs> look I like I I think um for, for me, having kids really allowed me to do that. Like I just had to let go because like if I was going to be um, still, you know, a really present mum, I had to let go of some responsibilities. It's just allowed the, the business to grow. Yeah. I don't think you can just do it all and then think that it's just still going to like, you know, grow um, or move forward or develop. Like you have to play to people's strengths um, I have an incredible coordinator on the desk, Briley. She's, um, you know, so well equipped to do the huddles and manage the team and day-to-day stuff and the clients. I, I feel like I do have this dream leadership team, um, so you know, and they make me look very good, <laughs> um, you know, and all I'm doing is basically most of the time I'm just saying yes or no. They're like, what about this? I'm like, yep, you know, and then they'll be, you know, maybe on the other hand they'll be like, oh, I was thinking about this. I'm like, oh, maybe next week or maybe next time or, yeah. you know, um, so they're, they're, they're very, um, I do let them go a fair bit. Like if they've got an idea, I'll let them run with it. Um um, yeah, I, I definitely think letting go of control has served me really well in the past. So, like, I've continued just to do that. Yeah. Um, if it's someone's business, like, I know it's a lot of salon owners have a lot of control over their brand and that's okay. Um, but I just don't have, because I've moved an hour and a half out from um, Penrith, from, yeah. from King, it's just made it really hard for me to be there all the time. You have to trust your team. You have to trust who yeah, you are. 100%. Um, and they know that um, I trust them and they trust me to make the best decisions for the salon. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it has it's served me very well. Amazing. I think that people, yeah, listening would be just really, I would hope, inspired and be like, oh, my gosh, there's p- people out there who believe in their staff that way. And, you know, it, there's a lot of that, but sometimes it can seem few and far between. I think if you have a bad experience, I'm not saying for myself, but, you know, a lot of the apprentices get discouraged and get over it. You know, yeah. you're you're shampooing yeah. for four years. Like what is happening? You know, those things happen. Yeah. I think it's really important for them to hear from people like you within the industry who have a voice and something that really stuck with me when I was listening to you talk with um, Laura and Stuart again on that um, freelance kind of subject was just that you said, I'm talking to people about it. Like that's not the way your business runs right now. You have employees, but to just be open to conversations and open to change within the industry, whether or not it is the route you go in to just understand why people are choosing different ways is just a huge um, testament, I guess, to the kind of boss you are and to being open to those conversations because a lot of people aren't. And that is why they don't keep staff because people don't feel comfortable going to them. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is I just needed to get curious. I needed to get curious about what this problem is and what people, what's happening with people because I don't want, you know, um, a couple of years down the track for one of my guys to say to me like, oh, I'm going freelance because I don't like it here. Like I need to know what the problem is so then I don't, you know, I learn from that and I don't, you know, maybe do it in my space or, um, you know, I don't know. I just, it also doesn't come with, um no sacrifice like I think a lot of people think like oh she's got you know she's got enough you know for wages or she's got a marketing education coordinator and it's just like that that is taken from my profit you know like that is that's your that's your salary going to them 
So like that's the choice I want to make to be able to like have maybe more free time for, you know, my kids or, um, you know, to be more available for my team on a training level or to have one-on-ones with them. You know, I just feel like I do need these people around me to have a better yeah. flow. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. I think that there's, you know, um, there's a lot to say in, um, you know, having more conversations like that and being more curious, you know, with, um, that, that realm, because um, you have to ask the question. I don't know why we don't do more exit interviews. You know, I think it's just so important. Um, if I had like- an exit interview, I would have <laughs> so, you know, I would love that. <laughs> I'm the type of person who would like that. Yeah, you've got nothing to gain or lose. Neither does the, or the salon owner has everything to gain, you know? I think so too. You know, I think so, so like, too. Why we go and do more of that, you know, instead of holding so much resentment. And I think and go- sometimes the salon owner doesn't realize the impact, no matter how old you are, you know, I'm almost 30 years old, that the impact that it does have on you quitting. Nobody likes quitting. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. likes resigning or any, nobody wants, I, I didn't enjoy doing that or, you know, any, any of my friends that I talk to that yeah. I don't think sometimes the salon owners realize the impact that it has when you aren't treated nicely when you leave or aren't spoken to when you leave or anything like that. Like, you know, we put our heart and souls into the business as well and into the clients. And it can be really disheartening when you leave and it's not like a, an okay thing. Yeah. hundred percent different circumstances. And, you know, sometimes people don't go about it in a good way of leaving or whatever it may be, but those conversations or that stress of running into that person plays on our head a lot, especially within an industry where we are quite close that you you think you're going to run into them. I just can't imagine ever running a business in that way that I think it's so important. Exactly what you said, an exit interview, know why your staff left and what they're not happy about, what they didn't feel comfortable telling any of those things. I think that's so, yeah, great of you to say. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't know. I just think like, I mean, moving forward, we've got to, we, we just got to evolve ourselves. We've got to evolve the way we do business. We can't keep doing the same thing. Otherwise we'll get the same result, Yeah. you know? So I think, um, you know, um, having more conversations and just being really black and white about things is just, you know, um, and I know it's really uncomfortable. Like we don't, you don't get no shift or no change just being comfortable all the time. Like I'm not yeah. saying like I'm, you know, an expert at, um, you know, these conversations by all means, like I'm really bad. I get really anxious and really uncomfortable. Um, but even just opening with that, this is not comfortable. This makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. This is really awkward. I'm really sorry. This, and I've said that before, if if I'm having a conversation with one of my team, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go, but, um, I just need to say it and let's just, you know, Otherwise, like exactly what you said, you dwell on a scenario and you're replaying it and it gets 10 times worse because you're making up all these things in your head. Totally. Yeah, 100%. Is there anything as we come up to our kind of hour of, is there anything that when, you know, we've planned this chat for a little while that you really wanted to make sure that you spoke about or wanted to get out there? Is there anything that you feel like you haven't left on the floor? (laughs) Again, these sags. (laughs) I need to get a sags book. For them. <laughs> honest to god he's like that is not the he's very irish he's like that is not the expression and i was like well what do you know you don't even know canadian expressions <laughs> so oh god but is there anything yeah that you had that you really did want to make sure you got out there or do you feel like we've covered it where are you at we've covered so much i don't know i just like i do want salon owners to have a little bit more confidence and vulnerability and trust in their teams and just you know take ownership but um you know don't think that you'll ever get to a point where you're just this you know perfect salon owner because you won't it's it's a complete journey and you're always fucking up and doing the wrong thing but um you know you're but you're learning. They're just lessons. They're not failings. They're just lessons and just keep going and moving forward. Yeah. Well, I really appreciated this conversation. And I think something that my brain is ticking that I'd love for you to do after, if you wanted, is to maybe give a list of the books or of, you know, the the things that you read that you think have made you a better um, leader or employee, the things that you really like your staff listening to, whether it be an audiobook, a podcast or something. I think those are the things that you can listen to this conversation. But then after I'm like, oh, but 
I actually don't know what, you know, she was talking about with that. Yeah, yeah, that like, point. let's take that and have that be in the show notes that for the business owner listening to this or for the employee or someone yeah. thinking about getting into the industry listening to this, I'll make yeah. two different kind of columns and we'll put it into the post for the notes of things that we can do to better ourselves and, and progress and that have helped yeah, you to do that. To, yeah, definitely. It's all about sharing, isn't it? I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate having this conversation and I just love nothing more than to connect and, and share people's stories and learn people's stories. So I appreciate what you're doing for the industry and being open and being there for your team. And yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having this platform and inviting me. I feel like you were coming into it. (laughs) No way. I love it. I do. So I'm literally doing like two interviews a day now because I'm like, I love it. Like it doesn't, yeah, it's, I would go crazy if I was sitting on the couch. Yeah, 100%. So, no, I exactly yeah. what Especially I. It gives you something to look forward to, doesn't it? Like it's just and a distraction. Know. I think more yeah. so than you know. I think when we're on the phone talking to everybody all the time now, it's yeah. a lot of what's happening. So this yeah. is like a completely not that topic that yeah. clears yeah. your brain for an hour. I hope is what I'm trying yeah. to do. <laughs> yes, you are doing it. Thank you so much. Okay, really have a great day, Maria. You too, babe. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. If you made it this far, I hope that it means you enjoyed the episode. If you did, the most helpful thing you can do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's greatly appreciated and I hope that you'll join me next week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled.